You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA, this is the World Football Programme. This is Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. Um, great show, boys, and uh, great walk in here and find the, the whole place full of talent, musicians, and then Jerry and Frank. So brilliant to, to see uh, as you walk into a studio, that is. Um, today's show will be hosted by myself and Hugh Best. Good morning, Hugh. Morning, Sean. Morning, listeners. How are you? Excited. There's an election in progress. I've Lots got- of clubs hanging on the outcomes. Um, depending on whether you're in a safe Lib- uh, Labour seat where, you, you know, I think it's average is ten to twenty thousand dollars um how to be in a marginal seat with promises <laughs> of a million dollars funding you know i just got to find a way to make bass and dean a, 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 a marginal a, seat, a marginal seat <laughs> yeah I don't think dave kelly would be too happy about it but you know <laughs> if it means that the club can get some more money out of the government then let's let's go that way well no and dave i'm sure if you just ask him <laughs> nicely he'll be happy oh, no, dave's been very generous we yeah. we have got um Providing on the outcome today, yep. um, promise of some funding. Um, as I said, would have been a lot more if we were a marginal <laughs> seat. That's politics, apparently. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, but they're exciting all round. Um, in the latest news, obviously last night wasn't so well for the, the Glory Girls. Yeah. Unfortunate, a, a three-two loss at home to Canberra. Uh, yeah. a Michelle Heyman double being the <laughs> difference. But the highlight, a thirty-five metre lob of the goalkeeper by <laughs> Kat, Katrina uh, Yukic. So yeah, I mean, she's a talent. Always has been. Yeah, yeah. I remember refereeing Kat. Uh, Back with the um, Beckham Angels and Northern Redbacks. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, no, quality, quality player. Um, and yeah, look, it, it's unfortunate because the the way the women are playing, very good football. You can see what 
they're, they're trying to do. Um, it's just not successful. And, you know, hopefully the club can wear through that. They're a very, very young squad. A lot of local talent in there. Yep. Um, and uh, with Jan the Douglas scored the first goal. So, yep. you know, look, it, it's promising signs, but we've got to be patient. Oh, without a doubt. Canberra, I mean, they're... I mean, they're a powerhouse of the of the league. There's no two ways about that. They always have been. And, Absolutely. Uh, and are likely to always will be. Yeah, and then when you look at Michelle Heyman, um, terrific oh, striker, you know. What a legend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you know, the only way to stop her is with a big stick, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing is, the W League's a really good league and it, needs, it just needs to be expanded. There's not enough games for the women to get, um, you know, the... The competition they need, and I think yep. we need to expand the games oh, and, right. and really get serious about the comp. Yep, be yep. a great be- breeding ground for the the next round of Matildas. Well, that's right, and uh, yeah, the other the good result that I saw was the um, the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, ladies getting the uh, the first ever win south of the border, which was yep. sensational to to put one over on. Uh, Melbourne City. Always great to go to Mexico and get a win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in the State League last night, there's a couple of results there in the quarterfinals for the Men's uh, State League Night Series with um, Forestfield getting beaten 4-1 by UWA. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, I'd have to say it's a surprising result. I mean, the scoreline anyway. I mean, oh, I don't know. Dom's gone over to um, to UWA, and they they certainly seem to have recruited well, yes. and and they they look like they'll be up there this year. Yep. The other game was between Mandra and um, Western Knights, and Mandra beat Western Knights two one. Western Knights have always been there or thereabouts. Yeah, I yeah. watched Mandra play myself the other week. Uh, big experienced side, very strong. Yep, um, and they're going to be out there with, I mean, the, with the top three or had four. The aspirations to, to get back where they 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 feel they belong. Back. Well, this could be their year. Oh, wow, <laughs> I'm sure there's a few down that way. I've heard that one before, but this you're right. This very well could be their year. Absolutely. Um, all right, I've forgot to say who we're interviewing today. Um, we've got a big show ahead of us. We're going to start off with Dan Evans, who is the coach at Swan United. We'll talk to him last time we spoke to him. He was in COVID lockdown. Yep. Um, Tommy Dolman joins us. He's going to be calling the game between Inglewood and Perth SC tomorrow night in the night series yep. uh, in the final. Uh, Donna Gufrey of DT38 also joins us, so we'll be catching up with Donna now that we seem to be out of the shadow of COVID. Um, hopefully DT38 can go back to doing what they were doing very well in their fundraising and mm-hmm. everything else, but we'll talk to, to Donna about that and a few other things along the way, and I may even have a couple of digs about victory if I can, but we'll see. <laughs> no, she's a big fan of the victory. Well, someone has to be. Yeah, I know, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wondering how long be, before they get a certain Popovich as a coach. Well, I mean, that's come out of left field, hasn't it? I mean, would he be interested to come back to the, to the A-League? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. know. He's, he's interested in, in continuing his coaching career, but, I mean, yeah. the, the whole point of going overseas was to coach at the next level. I mean, surely you wouldn't be thinking too much of a backward step, no? Well, I don't know. Look, we'll see. Anywhere you can get his boys playing, I think will be the important part. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the contract, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to close out the show with uh, Phil Kelly, who is the chair of the State League Standing Committee. There was an announcement made on Thursday, I think, by Football West that affects the State League 1 and 2 and their status as an amateur league. That's, yes, that's right. And uh, talked to Phil about what the um, ramifications of that are. There's, although the, the decision's been made and it's been pushed by FIFA, um, 
there's a, a number of things underlying that that will affect a lot of clubs whether they're aware of it or not there seems to be a tone throughout the, the message sent out by football west about the nrg player payments yep. um contracts and everything else so uh we'll talk to phil and go through that little minefield because i think uh oh yeah no, I mean, and we've we've made that joke a few times is it amateur or is it semi-amateur well no there but the, this is the point under the nrg there is a very clear distinction yes. and it's at 110 dollars. and if you're getting paid over and above that without any um ability to prove why you need to be more than 110 um then you are a professional and it's it's a very very simple line. It's like being pregnant. You are, either you are or you're not. You know that's it. There is no. Oh, I'm half pregnant. I'm half pregnant. You know yeah, that's right. You are a professional or you're not. Or and, you're not. and people just think, oh, uh, it doesn't work like that. Semi pro. You know there is no semi. There is no semi pro registration. It's either amateur or professional, and there is no difference. Well, and with the leagues, if you have one player, as we do in the NPL, yes. As uh, Dan Israel confirmed the other week, we have one player in the NPL who is on professional papers, then that is a professional league. Yep. But there, there are li- we'll talk with Phil about what yeah, the yeah, connotations yeah. of the professional yep. league are because that also has some, some interesting um, baggage yeah. Yeah, yeah. that comes with it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very interesting, um, interesting chat, that one. I think we'll... A few people might be a bit surprised at what's going on out there. And maybe and maybe not. <laughs> so that's the show coming up. Um, Gloria playing on... Monday? Is it Monday? I'm not sure. See, this is, again... Uh, I, I just can't keep up COVID, with the uh, The COVID world any more uh, uh, confusing, but I think it's Monday. Yes. Well, anyway, the, the unchanged side, um, Castro will start, hopefully. Um it's just for me the the fixture list. I get the whole COVID thing. It's just a mess, really. Yeah, and you sort of you wake up and go, "Are they playing today? Did, did I miss it last night? <laughs> what happened?" <laughs> and publicity. Where is the publicity about yeah, this? Well. You know, you, I see there's a little bit in the paper today about it, but only a, a couple of paras. Um, we don't get an awful lot of publicity across the nation. Nothing on um, the the media. No. It, you know, mainstream no, I'll media. Just had a, a, a quick check. It's actually on Sunday. So Sunday, it's yeah. Central Coast, uh, Perth Glory, with the kickoff at one oh five pm Western s- summer time. I nearly said standard time. But yeah. yeah. All right. So that's that. Um, Gloria playing on Sunday. Look, looking forward to it. Uh, Central Coast. I honestly, I wasn't that impressed with them. I thought our s- strategy was all wrong yeah. on that day. Wow. Um, you know, looking. Garcia is the coach and you've got to trust him and, and what he had available. But, you know, I, I thought we started with too, too many gems on the bench um, and then when we brought them in, it was a little too late and the damage had already been done. I, I think, you know, strategically that was that was the problem. I thought we competed well enough on the night. There was just too many starters, de- debut, deputies and what have you. So, you know... Well, again, with with the season we're having, it's it you know you've got to trust the squad. It's a squad rotation, so yeah, and we don't know it, the the workloads going into oh, those God, no. players. Oh God, no, no, got no um, idea what goes on. But you know, you, you saw particularly the game on the weekend, you know, mm. against the Phoenix. I mean, just it, it was. I don't, know, I don't like putting the West Brom. It was like watching West Brom. They absolutely smashed the Phoenix. 
to get beat 3-0. It's like, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's, a, it's, a, it's in St John, it's sunny in St John, was it? It was greasy. It's a funny old game. A funny old game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I thought on the night, um, again, started off really slowly. We played pretty well. Um, and I don't know how Matt Simon's getting the accolades he is. I, I'm... Well, stalwart of the game, he's been, I mean, there's a there's a level that he plays at and it has to be applauded. But um, are there better players? Yeah, but, you know, he, he loves to run around, beat up another players and then and has a big suck himself when, it, when he gets done. True enough, but if he yeah. was playing for the glory, would we be uh, giving him a hard time or welcome no, him? No, he's, he's, he's another one in the Barisha mould. If he ever signed for the glory, <laughs> I'd, I'd be off. I'd be following someone else, honestly. Oh, oh, he's, not, he's not in that class, surely. <laughs> I just don't like him. That's my, my own personal opinion. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, look, I think we're doing all right with what we got while we need. Oh, without doubt, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I like what we're doing. I like the fact we've got a lot of younger players coming in. Um, I just find it funny that yeah, you had young Risden who um, was the basically star of the game, and then the very next home game, he wasn't even on the bench. Yeah, uh, and I know he's young, and I know he's he's done a lot of work, but at the same time. Um, how's he going to maintain his consistency if he's not in every week? That's right. And consistency starts with being consistent with selection, with playing, yeah. with, with, uh, with the role you and, have And if they're the going down that line of you're good enough, you're old enough, then, yes. you know, that, they've got to run with that. Well, again, that, 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 that's the standard line anywhere, isn't yeah. it? You know, how old is he? Don't care. Is he good enough? Yes, he is. Get exactly. in there. Exactly. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Dan Evans from uh, Swan United. So we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Uh, just looking out the window there, Hugh, what a wonderful day to be doing, you know, football or voting or anything else we could be doing today. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we live in the best state. <laughs> yeah. That's why I've got this seat here. It's straight out the window. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just got, I just got to stop you from licking it. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, joining us is our our next guest. The last time we spoke to him, he was in uh, hotel isolation, locked in a room with all his mates. Uh, <laughs> good morning, Dan Evans. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And uh, now I'm sat in a car with all my mates. Talking to you guys. <laughs> I know that feeling, Dan. <laughs> uh, so um, the hotel uh, lockdown stuff, as much fun as it sounded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be out put it that way. The first week was all right because I had a few things to catch up on, but then I was sort of waiting on people to get back to me and I ended up bugging them by phone saying, come on, I'm waiting here. And, they're sort of saying, come on, we're not all sat in a hotel room doing nothing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. And, and then you, you were that bored, you started helping your mum out with her IT problems, so, you know, it must have been pretty bad, mate. <laughs> That's right, it was bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now you're, you're out of isolation, um, you're in at Swan now. How's things going with your build-up to the season? It's going okay. Uh, the, the boys have worked really hard. We started early, you know, we started sort of late November, and then I had... A, a, a different group coming after the African Cup was finished in January, so the boys have been going for a while. Um, we've we've had mixed results. Night series probably didn't go as well as we'd hoped, but in saying that, the main thing is to get minutes in the legs and sort of be round for uh, you know ready for round one proper. So from from that perspective, uh, it's gone okay. Yeah, there's a couple of approaches people take. Some really go hard at the night series wanting to win it. Others want to try different players, different formations. And I suppose at the end of the day, there's no point in being uh, March premiers. <laughs> well, <I'm laughs> well, that's right. I mean, look, you don't want to win any game you're playing in, that's obvious. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the way I look at it is there's, there's no point sort of getting to round one and not learning anything from your squad. Uh, you know, and, and not not trying your fringe players. So you know, we we rotated a little bit, and we, we had a had a look at players, and and uh, yeah, the results could have been better, but but overall, um, I'm reasonably happy. And uh, your, your squad, have you changed it much? I imagine that uh, Johnny Monteroso will still play a part in the in the squad. He's a, a, a despite his age, a very fit young man. Yeah, I mean, he looks after himself. Uh, so yeah, he, he'll he'll definitely be um, in the mix. Uh, he played most. Uh, probably in the most minutes in the night series. Uh, he's a very fit guy, so yeah, looking forward to seeing how he goes uh, in the league. Yeah, definitely. Now the the Swan have had uh, an issue over the last few years, as as have a lot of clubs, um, gaining, retaining, keeping, or even assembling an under 18s How's that going this year? Yeah, it's gone okay. Look, we've we've, we've played. Um, we've still got a few spots up for grabs, um, but they've played three or four pre-season games. They're playing. Morley as we speak at the moment. Um, so we've managed to recruit a few. We've got uh, John Warrington, the 18s head coach, and he's an experienced guy. He's been TD at Bayswater, um, at Old Rockingham. So he's uh, he's been really great for the squad, and he's managed to recruit a few players in. So there's still a couple of spots up for grabs, but certainly we're in a stronger position as far as that goes than we were in the last couple of seasons. That's yeah, good to hear because it's all. It seems to be a problem, um, a problem group for most clubs. Um, most clubs struggle mm-hmm. to to get them. Doesn't matter who you are um, within the league. Everyone seems to be having problems with eighteens. You've been involved in the league a long while. Yeah. Do, do you have a perspective on that? Well, I think it's it's very challenging for the non NPL clubs now. Uh, we've got quite a strong junior base up until under-14s, under-15s, and then from there, 
Uh, a lot of kids are looking to, to join the NPL, and, and I can understand that. Um, so I think it's challenging for clubs without that NPL um, label to to maintain players as they sort of get 16, 17, 18. Um, but, you know, that is what it is, and we've just got to... We've just got to work as hard as we can on building our own club and, and hope if we do send some to the NPL and it doesn't work out, hopefully we've treated them in the right way and they, they come back and play for us. Yeah, a couple of years ago, the F, uh, well, the FFA, as they were now, the FA, um, launched a review of the NPL system. Um, their, the TD at the time, who's no longer with us, um, had said he was yep. going to review the whole process. People like Steve McGarry are involved in that process. We've now got a new uh, national TD. It doesn't seem to, that work doesn't seem to have continued on. The, the one thing that most people, even people in the NPL, our statement is the MPL system is broken. It doesn't work. It causes some of those issues that you've mentioned that people with the MPL label tend to um, grab players. But then there's also squads around where they've got MPL teams for compliance that I think last year and the year before were getting beaten 31 nil. Mm. So, you know, mm. it's... Whilst it works for some, it doesn't work for everybody. And we need a, a proper model that works across the state. We get, as you said, kids who get to 14, 15, who then start, you know, trading themselves around for an NPL squad, squad don't get in, yeah. and either, either give up football completely or just disenfranchise with the process. Yeah, I think you, you touched on some points there. I, mean, I think there's 21 junior NPL clubs that are taken. We don't have the quality for that. Uh, we don't have enough quality coaches, I don't think. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's just spread very, very thin. Uh, and that's NPL clubs. You know, for clubs that aren't in the NPL, as I mentioned, it makes it even harder. And, and I come across so many kids, which is the real shame for me, that have played NPL throughout their juniors. They got to under 18s. They might have even got to the under 20s. And then they're just giving up the game completely. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, that, you know, we've, we've got to look at the dropout rates there and... and, and and, you know, what the NPL, what role the NPL clubs have in that, you know, are they being sold something that perhaps isn't quite the reality? Uh, and then they're becoming sort of disenfranchised with things and they're, you know, they're giving up completely. But, you know, whatever the reasons are, I think it's no good. We don't want to lose these kids to the game. Uh, you know, selfishly in my situation at the moment at a, at a non-NPL junior club, um, you know, it's very challenging for us. And I'm sure at Ashford you guys have had challenges of your own. Um so yeah, look, I, I, I think it, it needs reviewing. I'm not pretending that I've got the the answers, by the way. No. <laughs> um, but, but certainly, I think people need to sit down and, and have a chat about what direction we go in, and, and you know what's going to be best for the game overall. Yeah, well, I, I go back to when I was a, a coach. I I coached uh, an under seven side, so an under eight side. So under sevens didn't didn't exist at that stage, um, where we had kids between the ages of six and eight playing for us in the the juniors, and I took the majority of that squad right the way through to under-14 prems, um, and that was very much the same group of kids that we'd had under-8s. Um, some of them played two or yep. three years at under-8s, but it was it was the same team intrinsically at 14s without bringing anyone else in, and that was you know the, the old system um, where at under-10s we, we played in a league, we got graded, we ended up in the, in the top league of the the under 11s and then man maintain that until 14s but you know that system worked really well and kept the kids at the club 
I think if if we'd yeah. had the NPL back there, I would have lost probably eight of that squad to other clubs. Mm. You know, mm. and then I, I think when I, grew, when I grew up, it was the old district system. Yeah, yeah. well, that was the district system then. Yeah, if you were good enough, you played your district, and then from the four districts, they pick a state team. And yeah. you know, I, I, I was I was involved at, at, at that level, and I, you know, you, at, at, certainly at, at that level, you, you had less movement for clubs as a junior kid. You know, if someone had two clubs, it was quite unusual. You know, it wasn't uncommon to, to see a kid sign on for their team at eleven and go right into the under eighteen. Um, whereas we seem to have gone away from that now. Oh, look, and I think the the district system was quite good. It also had some some problems. I know um, I had a couple of players poached from yeah. from that system by the the district coach, who was also the the coach of a club within that district, who then took yeah. one or two of my players away, who, who ended up coming back, by the way. But um, you know, there, there were some anomalies within that system, but it wasn't too mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, look, as I said, I don't profess to have, uh, have have all the answers, but certainly I think um, it, it needs to have some robust discussion with with the decision makers and and see sort of uh, what direction we can go in. You know, I know um, the NPL probably hasn't worked um, in, in the way that it was initially intended. I know when I think it was uh, uh, the, the German TD, was it Olga? Yeah. Uh, potentially, I forget the name, but, but one of his failings he said on his exit interview was that um, he, he misrepresented the size of the country from yeah. an NPL perspective. Mm. Uh, I mean, someone probably could have given him a map on his way <laughs> over, but, um, you know, it, uh, I don't think it has worked to the, in the way that it was intended to, so certainly I, I, I would welcome any, any discussions and, and, and reviews of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at a team like Grellup that got promoted to the NPL seniors and because the um, the two sides aren't linked, their juniors aren't NPL. So they're disadvantaged mm. within that, that system. And I think, you know, um, other people have tried other things, as you yourselves have, um, to retain and, and keep your juniors. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's no simple answer. But at the same time, I don't think NPL no. has been the answer. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, now, recently there was an announcement by uh, Football West that the State League 1 and 2 um, are amateur leagues. Has that had any impact on you? Uh, well, I probably haven't had enough time to digest that yet. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly will have an impact um, on on everyone in those leagues, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how the decision sort of came about. Um, but yeah, I mean, with with it, essentially, it's it's put a salary cap uh, on on the league. Um, so yeah, that's certainly going to have an impact. Um, well, the, how the, much of an impact? We'll have to wait and see. The history behind it is the FFA have um, put pressure on. Sorry, the FIFA have put pressure on the FA to align all their leagues properly with the NRG and and their status. Yep. And um, there hasn't been a professional player registered in State League 1 or 2 for a couple of seasons. Um, I believe mm. this year, and I was talking to Dan Israel a couple of weeks back, there is one professional player within the NPL. So the NPL is a right. professional league. But that right. has implications on your um, signing, your transfer windows and signing windows and things like that. Um, mm. So mm. Divi, two, uh, Divi 1 and 2 are 
completely amateur. But then with within that, there are things about player contracts um, and the national registration guidelines. So it'd be interesting to see how that all pans out. But it's certainly driven by the by the by the FIFA statutes, and it's a FIFA ruling that uh, yep. Football West have been told they've they've got to impose. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's. Um, I mean, it will have an impact. I'm just not sure what that impact will be. Um, so I think the, the the figure was anyone above 110 dollars a week, and if I'm mistaken. Correct. Unless um, unless you can justify the expenditure. That's right. Yeah. Mm. So uh, there's going to be some interesting justifications around the league. I would have thought. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it's not just your justification. I think there, there has to be an independent arbiter, and we'll talk about that later with Phil Kelly, who's, who yeah. seems to be all over this. But, um, you know, there's been this um, unwritten rule in this state that we're, we're a little different, and we just do our own player agreements up, and I believe that they're no longer valid, um, and the NRG will be applied. And, and the undertone of it is that if we're not compliant with the NRG, look out. And you've only got to look at Adelaide City a couple of seasons ago and see what happened to them um, when yeah. when the um, FA were told, make an example of them, and they did. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously these are these aren't guidelines. These are, are, are rules that have to be followed. So, yeah. you know, there's definitely going to be an impact for all of us, uh, I'm, you know, as I said earlier, I'm probably not all the way across it just yet, but um, I'll have to come up to speed with that pretty quickly. Yeah, it's look, it has some impacts, and we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But um, you know, the the NRG is quite specific, and as I said to Hugh earlier on, um, it's either you are professional or you're amateur. There is no semi-professional status. You are either a pro or you're not and it is it's like being pregnant you know either you are or you're not yeah. you can't be just a little bit pregnant yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, that, no, I understand yeah so it's it's going to be an interesting um turn of events for all of us because i know whilst we'd all like a playing field that was completely even we'd like it that it was even for everybody but us but you know that's football mm. that's right yep all right, back to your side. Um, you, you've made a couple of exciting signings this season, or you, um, you've just had drop-ins and uh, a bit of both. Uh, probably um, uh, number one signing's been uh, Boas Matwale. Uh, Boas was at Sterling last year. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with him when I was at Morley a couple of years back when we got promoted. Yeah. Uh, so really good player, and then Costinho uh, as well. Um, who was also in that Morley side that got promoted. Uh, he signed on for us. So, yeah, we've, we, we've signed a couple. We're, we're looking at, at, a, at a few more that, that I, I won't be able to mention on air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we've got... Um, I think we, we're going to have a reasonable squad. It's, it's a it's a competitive league. So, you know, the, the ambition of our club, certainly, and may not be this year, but the ambition is to get Swan back into the Premier League and, and obviously this first season hopefully we can step in that right direction and the first thing we've got to do is obviously maintain our status in the league and, and then look to finish as high up the table as we can. Yeah, um, I don't know who you've had or who you've played against in the night series but um, I had the, the benefit of watching Mandra the other week and they're they're a big squad and, and very strong experienced uh, group of players and I believe they beat mm-hmm. um, Western Knights last night 2-1 so um, they look yeah, like one no, of the teams I'm, to play I haven't seen them yet but um, I've, I'm, you know, I've spoken to coaches that have and, and I think both Mandarin and West 
Knights are going to be very competitive. Um, obviously, I saw UWA beat Forestville 4-1 last night, which is um, perhaps a little bit surprising to win by that margin. Um, but I would imagine both those teams are going to be competitive as well. So it's it's um, it's a tough league, Division One. There's there's not really uh, any easy beats out there. So every every week's going to be a challenge. And and um, if we're not on our game, then we don't expect to pick up points. So you know we've we've, we've got to be focused and we've got to be able to execute our plans. And hopefully, if we do those things, then we're going to be at the right end of the table. And you're back out at Morley today in a friendly. I am, yeah. Good to catch up with some of the old boys at Morley. So uh, we're at Watton Reserve. The first thing kicks off at one. Excellent news. All right, Dan, best of luck for the season. I'm sure I'll see you along the way um, and touch base with you again. Yeah, definitely, mate. Take care. All right, thanks, guys. Good to talk. All the best, Dan. Okay, bye. Ta-da. Dan Evans of Swan, um, yeah, a bit of a rebuilding program out there, but um, yeah. it's a very, very tough and competitive league is, is Divi 1. Oh, and that, that's what you want in any league, isn't it, really? I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than, you know, the start of a season, and it's like, well, it'd be one of these two teams, whereas that, that first division, it's like, oh, take a bet on any of them, really. Well, it's, it's underpinned also by a very strong... Um, Division two. I mean, Division yep. two is is now increasing quality. Um, I watched Mum and um, who else was there in that playing? But they're they're really good sides, and they're, they're really the depth and experience of those sides is building all the yep. time. Dianella recruited really well this year. Yeah, well, that's what you're saying. With um, yeah. you know, it, it's a pyramid, but you can't keep taking the blocks from the bottom of that pyramid. And put them at the top. No, it, it just it just doesn't work. That the other way. thing is though, that there's lots of lots of guys that have fallen out of the glory program who've gone back in now to the MPO and made that stronger. Some of them have bounced back into That's the glory right. side, like Steinsey. Yep. Um, there are others like Luke Bodnar who's gone straight through. Um, but then those players that come out of the glory program make those other teams stronger. There are players who have been playing a year or two in the under-21s in the NPL who are looking now at uh, Divi 1 and Divi 2 clubs going, I could play first team yeah, and and be seen to be playing at a competitive level against you know grown men and they're using that now as a springboard to get back into the NPL as a first team player yeah. because you know playing in the, the under-21s, whilst it's great and you're, you're getting some good quality training in those areas what you're not getting is the the depth of competition that you need well that's right yeah and that's that again that's what the npl is meant to be designed for well i think this is the problem with the npl the npl was designed designed to have a player pathway through with the point system and everything else so that a, a young player who at 16 17 18 got into the first team trouble is what they're doing with the point system is they're getting into the first team squad because that keeps the points down yep. and they don't get a look in at the first team and unless it's on the bench or the occasional charity run but <laughs> you know that's not developing players I've, I've never seen a player get better by getting splinters no 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 that's fair enough the only way they get to, to get better is get on that field and uh, and, and, and compete show, and show absolutely and yep. and that's you know look it's some of the younger boys at at sixteen, as um, young Risden's proving, are more than capable of oh, mixing yeah. it with with some of the most experienced players in the country. They just need the opportunity. Well, that's right. We saw that with uh, yeah. Nikita Rukovitska. And, and the problem is, through. I mean, he was what seven, sixteen, seventeen when he when he made yeah. his debut at uh, at Perth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, bang. But the the issue is that the, all of these teams are geared towards winning as being their their major KPI. 
So yeah. it's not about development players, no. it's about winning. And you can't develop players and win. Um, the glory had just got in the last three years really started to, to do that, but it took them forever to get to that point. The old NTC, yes. again, was developing players, but was always at the bottom of the table because you're developing players, not developing the winners. The glory are doing both now, which is really good, yep. but they have got the cream of the, the crop and they are geared towards doing that. But yeah, no, yeah. I always thought that was um, one of the flaws with the NTC is that, yes, you're teaching them to play, but are you actually teaching them the winning culture exactly and and i didn't think it was but yeah. but that was just my opinion but um you know like i say now it's now it's the best of both worlds we're yeah absolutely it is all right we're going to go to some messages and we'll be back after those with tommy dolman and we'll be um looking at the npl night series final tomorrow yep i'm Miranda templeman goalkeeper for the junior matildas Join me and local women's football expert Penny Tanahoe as we share our news and journey through the football calendar with the best guests from your local community and all across Australia. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. 107.9 FM, your local station. Okay, we're back in the room, uh, just having a few problems contacting Tommy. I'm just going to give him a call again. Um, we've got some night fixtures coming up, including the um, Premier or the MPL night series games. Yes, we do. And I am looking for that right now. If we put us under the pump there a little bit. Um, so the night series game is going to be tomorrow night. It's uh, obviously... Inglewood versus Perth, uh, and that will be at uh, Dalmatic Park. Inglewood got through when they defeated Armadale on penalties in the semi-final, where Perth beat ECU Joondalup. Uh, Steve Skokel gave Inglewood the first half lead at Percy Dorr Reserve on Sunday night, but Armadale levelled four minutes after the break through a Friday's eco penalty, which was you know, well taken. And it went on that way until penalties decided the game, with United winning the shootout 3-2. And after that was the, the Perth ECU semi. And a hat-trick from uh, Michael Domfrey uh, helped Perth get through 4-2. So that was fairly comfortable. And always good to see a hat-trick in a, uh, in a semi. If, if he brings that uh, form into the final, it should be an absolute cracker. Oh, absolutely will be. And uh, one of the people, that, well, the person that joins us next, will be calling that game um, on the, the, the podcast of it. So uh, welcome, Tommy Dolman. How are you? Hi guys, how are we? Thanks for having me on the show and good to be back for season 2021. Absolutely. Um, you've been out watching a few of the NPL games or... Um... Yeah, I, 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 managed to, uh, I managed to have a little look at the semi-finals last week, but I've, uh, I've taken a fairly extended break from the local stuff in, in, over, the, uh, 
over the off-season. So hit it, hit it hard this week with the night series final coming up. And obviously in terms of the women's competition, um, we've got the semi-finals for that next week as well. So I'll probably probably get out and, uh, and have a look at, at those as well commentaries depending so all starting to ramp up all very exciting and we should have a cracker tomorrow night oh absolutely i'm sure we will uh, if we go back to the the games last week though um inglewood it took penalties to separate them and armadale and armadale certainly looking a, a lot stronger than they have done in the past yeah and, and armadale have actually had um uh, they actually started the season well last year as well they they did it, it was a different competition format um, last year, of course, but but they did still make that top six um, mm. after the eleven games that was played. So you, you just get the sense that John O'Reilly's building something pretty nice there. That they're always going to be in, in terms of the in, in terms of being able to get the, the absolute top tier players in. That they might not quite be able to compete with the likes of Perth and Bayswater and Floria. But but what John does is he he creates a, a good team ethic. Um, he, he has a good system that Armadale play in. They play ferociously for him as well, and they also play some good football. And, and with Angelo Andres up front, he was one of the top scorers in the league last season. I believe they've managed to hold on to him this time around. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking for improvement. Um, so that, that was a good result for Inglewood last week. Um, you, take a, you take a victory, whether it comes on penalties, whether it comes in normal time. Absolutely, uh, you do. Time. Yeah, no, look, I think you're right. John O'Reilly down at Armadale's done wonderful things. He hasn't really got any stars, but he's got a group of um, highly skilled battlers that could, you know, love love a tussle, and they, you know, they they never give up. So I think he's, uh, and they're the qualities that John seems to have as a person, and I think that that just goes through his squad. So whilst he may not have the the, the stars that Perth have, um, he's he certainly gets the best out of the, the people he has. Yeah, I agree, and and, and it's and it's and that's a, and that's a great thing for the league as well. We want teams like Armadale to really uh, to, to re- and Rockingham to really throw it up to the likes of Perth and, and Bayswater and and Inglewood and Florida, your traditional big hitters, because that's that's what makes the league so competitive and, and so entertaining. And and that, and I suppose that's uh, that's what we're all looking forward to. If if, if a few of those teams who who perhaps um, maybe didn't fare so well due to the COVID conditions last year um, can improve a little bit and obviously if Armadale can kick on and, and perhaps aim um, aim a little higher as well then, then it's going to make for an exciting season Absolutely, now the the other party in this final uh, tomorrow down at, um, at Coburn is uh, Perth the, the Perth machine rolls on and a bit of a blip last season with the COVID um, for some reason, but this year it seems to be business as normal. And talking about stars, they've got, they've got a, a wonderful lineup, really. Yes, yeah, so they've added they've added some strength in depth. But I actually spoke with um, both coaches during the week, and, and both coaches, as you'd probably be unsurprised to hear, were very uh, were very happy with the way their pre seasons had gone. But to be honest, I wouldn't expect them to say anything else. But uh, <laughs> they've they've um, they're obviously very happy with the way things have gone. Um, in terms of Perth, they've added Cameron Teeth, who was the second top scorer of the division last season from Sorrento. He'll, he'll go up and partner with Michael Domfay, who, who won the Golden Boot in 2019. So um, that's going to be a, a formidable pairing. And, and, and alongside that, they've added Riley Van Deken, who's, who's moved up a division from Fremantle City. So they're going to have a really formidable lineup. And, and 
just when you sort of think that that strike force in itself isn't dangerous enough, they've got Christian Santich returning to the club and, and Calvin Whitney coming back from the MPL in Victoria, who's, who's also familiar to, to people who um, have followed the local game here in the West for some time. So they're the ones that are going to be feeding the, the passes through. And as, as you said before, it it's, seems like it's going to be business as usual for Perth based on what we've seen in the preseason and possibly for Inglewood too. Let's not forget they made the grand final in 2019 and lost that one in heartbreaking fashion to Perth um, in the last minute that Alex saw a goal. So um, you'd expect that, that Inglewood based on what we've seen in the pre-season so far, may also be looking to hit those heights once more too. And and good to see um, a young coach uh, doing so well at Inglewood. You know, um, a lot of clubs go for the, the, the big, well-known coaching names, but Inglewood have, have gone out on the limb and, um, you know, he's doing a fantastic job out there. Yeah, he has. It's um, he's, he's been with Inglewood. He's obviously his... Um, he's, I think he's a six-time state champion uh, as a player, and and he's obviously carried that in uh, in things with coaching that sort of winning mentality. He's worked under um, Tacky uh, when Tacky Nicolaitis was was at Inglewood, and, and also with Andy Keogh as well. So he's learnt off a couple of, of pretty good coaches then, and guys who have had a, a little bit of a taste and um, have got plenty of experience both in playing and and in coaching. So he's he's obviously taken on the job himself. I think this is his third season as a coach now and and, and in the first season they did ever so well really to, to get to that top four uh, cup final against Perth, the one that we touched on just before. But they those two teams had two epic finals matches. Both the semi final at Dorian Gardens and the final at Perth Plasterboard Centre Stadium. Both of them thrilling games which went absolutely down to the wire and obviously hopeful that we're going to see something again on the weekend but just to go back to, to uh, Andreas Oliveira as well they, mm. they they sort of I think they finished 10th overall last season which yeah. from from the from my research was their lowest finish they've actually had but well, they only won six games as well wasn't it so tough. they were they were in very odd form yeah I think from speaking to Andreas during the week he, he was saying that they they opted in, in the second phase of the competition, when they were in the lower half, to play a few more of the younger guys, and 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 that may that may turn out to be a blessing in disguise for Inglewood because those younger players will suddenly become the depth that they've um, that they've sort of building around that starting lineup and those additions that they've made in the off season. Yeah, now we were just discussing that uh, before you you came on air about uh, the benefits of putting youth, uh, well. Talented youth into the uh, into the first team to to find out whether they are um, not just potential players but actual players. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think last year was just such a funny year. And I think it's I would say it's worth writing off completely because I think all teams had different incentives for the season. Some teams, perhaps like your Coburns, your your Armadales, and, and obviously your ECUs. Um, saw a real opportunity to win a title in that year with perhaps some of these other teams not um, perhaps just battling a little bit, maybe due to COVID, maybe due to um, the, the, the backlog of games, the midweek matches, and, and a few other factors as well, perhaps not being able to retain a couple of players. So they saw the opportunity to perhaps go and win something last season, whereas your person, um, Bayswaters and, and Inglewood, perhaps maybe thought, well, let's play a couple of of youngsters and let's just build some depth through our academy. So 
I think every club had their own motivations and incentives um, from last season, and, and the proof will be in the pudding in 2021 as to whether um, those decisions that were sort of made in terms of the attitudes um, are going to be worthwhile this year. Yeah, look, it's, it's a very interesting thing when we look back on last year, and, and this year is, um, you know, again, started off with a, with a few breaks through COVID. Um, getting back to uh, Andreas, I I remember Andreas as a 16-year-old playing for Alec Alenic at Forestfield, so um, go back a long way with him, and it's good to see him, him doing so well as a as a coach. Um but you know he's he's had some really good coaches, and, and starting with Alex, I'd say he's he's done very well, and then he's taken a bit from each one of them, and and gone on with it. Um, you've also put a um, podcast, not podcast, up. You put a, an article up on Facebook about the the final tonight. Um, just look piece you've written. I read that this morning. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that was just uh, I just I just caught up with I had a chat with both coaches during the week just to um, just sort of assess. Uh, where they were at, really, and, and, and just to tell us about how the, the new signings that they that they are bringing in are sort of going to integrate into the lineup. Um, it, it's it's a really interesting game tomorrow. Perth and Inglewood have got a real history of of close games. Um, my my research says that since the MPLWA era started in 2014, Perth have won nine and Inglewood have won seven. And you throw in the um, you throw in the Ding Dong semi-finals and final from 2019, and obviously they played in a top-four cup final back in 2016 mm-hmm. too. So um, so these two teams usually entertain when they play, and I really hope I've not put the mockers on this now that I'm calling it tomorrow. <laughs> but, um, so so a nil-nil penalty shootout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nil-nil all and one-nil on penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I really I'm... hope not, but... Uh, but, um, but, yeah, and I think Andreas summed it up pretty well. I, I can't remember his quote um, exactly from, from what he told me, but both teams like to attack. Both teams um, like to be really aggressive, and, and, and both teams want to win. And, and, and the winning mentality is something that both of these teams are, are really trying to build and regain after, after those probably below past 2020 campaigns that they had. So... Um, Perth obviously looking to sort of put put that grand final four 0 loss against Floriot behind them. Uh, a piece of silverware would sort of right that wrong in a sense and yeah. allow them to possibly move on once and for all if they have it already. I'm sure they have deep down, but um, but in terms of the narrative, we all we all kind of like that angle. And, and obviously, from an Inglewood perspective, the last trophy they won. Um, was back in 2005 when they won the night series 3-0 over Swans. So um, it, it's something that for Inglewood, um, it would obviously mean a lot to the club for them to bring a, um, a piece of silverware there and it would obviously in, enhance the work that Andreas has done over the past few seasons, yep. which is obviously a very good job. Yeah. Um, now, the, the game has been live-streamed, I believe, and, yep. and that's something you're involved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be I'll be calling that one with um, with Sean, who is the other commentator, the, the other footballers commentator. You've probably heard on the live stream. So yep. we'll be both doing that one. And and the camera work. Have you got the the young man that likes to walk behind people with his camera? Or you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure who's doing the filming tomorrow. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, they're they're, yep. uh, they're 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 very they're very they're usually. Um, they're, they're very, um, very accommodating towards us, and, and, and obviously do a lot of good work to, to fit 
does in and yeah. uh, make our life a lot easier on the broadcast because um, we obviously have to try and be as close to the camera as possible and, and, and obviously they've got their tech and they've got their setups that they have yeah. to do. So, um, yeah, we, we just try and, and sit there quietly and, and, and do our bit. And, um, yeah, well, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game. I, I think the way that Perthling would have attacked this pre-season, it, it's going to be a going to be it's going to be a game that's got a bit of intensity to it and and both teams are really going to want to play well because you're a week out from the season and you want to try and get somewhere towards your, your peak don't you yeah. you want to try and really hit the ground running next week you don't want to sort of sell it with a 50 percent performance this week and then and then come into the season next week on a bit of a flat note so yeah. i think both teams are going to go hammer and tongs at it and, uh, and hopefully that makes for a good game. And then you've got to balance that out with having a, a fit team next week and the yeah, team next week well. are all eligible players because they haven't picked up Reds. But, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's always a balancing act for these guys. Um, I know you're a fan of, of Facebook and, and Facebook posts. I see that there was one up during this week um, about the, the, the final being at 7 o'clock on a Sunday. There's, the, the whole world's a critic. There's been um, <laughs> complaints that we're playing a night series final at 7pm, I think. Yeah, that's unheard if you, of. If you played it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> we would go, oh, it's a night series final, you're playing it in the sun, you know. Uh, Football West can never take a win anywhere, can they, really? Um, and then there's some complaints about it being at Coburn. And I just, I just find that you never satisfy all the people all of the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not privy to the logistical decisions, but from from my my opinion only, I think it's I think it's a great thing to have it down in Coburn, and that the same would apply if it were in Joondalup, for example, yeah. further north. I think I think it's good that we're sharing these competitions around the venues, and and I think you're always damned if you do, damned if you don't, whatever whatever sort of way you want to go about it, but there's going to be a good crowd. I mean, Inglewood and Perth, and obviously ECU and Armadale will right. in the third, fourth place game beforehand as well, yep. so yep. all yep. four of those teams are pretty well supported. I think I think Coburn, hopefully there's a really good crowd there, people are going to enjoy the bar, the canteen, yep. Um, yep. and see some good football at one of the, the, the sort of great suburban the great suburban grounds. I think, I think those suburban grounds really do have a charm to them, and I think it's great for Coburn that they've got um, a, a game on um, that's hopefully going to have a good crowd, and, and I think it's great that we we shared it around. Obviously, the semis were at Percy Oil Reserve last weekend as well. Um, that that's just my opinion. Um, I think it's always good to share it around a little bit, and um, and at the end of the day, I think the football community will come and support games uh, no matter what time and and where they're played. So, Tom. You've got a um, any thought process on that Battle of Britain third place playoff? Um, I, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I can't say I've spoken to either coach or, or, or done any particular research on how they're going to approach the game. I think it's one of those ones. It, it, it's essentially another. It's essentially another preseason friendly, is it? Uh, yeah. I think you obviously want to finish third. I think I think it's all about that winning momentum for, for those yep. two teams. Uh, I can't verify that. I don't know that for fact, but. No, I was just uh, asking the question because you, you go to uh, some of the major tournaments and quite often that third and fourth playoff game, because there's there's no trophy at the end of it, tends to be the, the, the better game of the whole tournament because it's free-flowing. There's, there's just playing playing for the, uh, for the next game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in the, I think it was the, the 2018 World Cup England played Belgium. Yeah. And, um, Belgium really wanted to win that game um, and England wanted to 
rotate nine players and and give everyone a game and 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 I, I, I'm not sure how it's going to be attacked from both teams at the weekend, but um, it's obviously another friendly. The season starts next week. I'm sure that the coaches are both going to want to see some intensity of some sort. It's an opportunity for players to perhaps impress. Um, because just like the person in Gould game we were talking about before, these teams want to hit the ground running next week. Yep. So you don't want to have a flat performance. Whether it's a, a, a ninth series final like Inglewood or Perth, a third or fourth game, or even if it's a pre-arranged friendly, that's another ground that we're unaware of between two other fellow MPL teams. You don't want to be going into next week on a flat note and, and not on a winning sort of momentum. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, um, you know, Armadale um, certainly would be... Uh, they'll, they'll take it as, as serious as you need to for a, a third and fourth playoff. Um, I don't think ECU, Kenny's a bit different when it comes to those things. And <laughs> very different. Well, I think in, in one of the games, he, he, the night series, he fielded basically a, a reserve squad. Well, so, as, as Tom you know, was saying, this could be one of those ones where he, he'll take the England approach and just rotate the whole squad to, to have a look, see what's going on. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't think that he looks at pre-season competitions as, in any way as a, a serious, I have to win this. No. It's a, it is really part of a development towards the, the, the main dance, which is the season. Yeah, and that's, and that's essentially what pre-season is all about, isn't it? Yeah. Every, every coach, every team, every every coaching group, they, they all have their motivations and they all have their things that they want to achieve over the course of a pre-season, not just one game in isolation. Um, some teams have already achieved what they want to and, and, and they get the opportunity to perhaps play in a final like Inglewood and Perth. Um, for a little bit of silverware and some momentum, others perhaps want, may, might want to try a few things. They might want to rotate players, give, give a youngster a crack who's a real chance of mm. making some headlines in the competition proper this season. So there's, oh, look, there's always something valuable to it. And it's nice to watch a, a young player go out there who's been given the instruction, you're playing <laughs> for a place. Because yeah. you know, they, they work hard and they make things... They, they just give you that X factor that you just don't get in a, in a game. Yep. Otherwise, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's and that's what we. That, that's essentially why we why we love the NPL. That's why I've I've covered the competition for so many years. Is that you love seeing these guys coming through, and it and it genuinely gives you gives you a buzz. Even even, even in the women's competition, you know, so a lot of the a lot of the girls that I covered um, and the ladies that I covered last season, uh, some of them are playing for the glory this season and across the A League. Obviously, Morgan Aquino in the has starred for the for Brisbane this season. She's done a really good job uh, in goal there, and, mm. and and she was awesome in the um, in the top four series um, last season for the Redbacks. So um, that that's just an example of, of why we sort of love following the local stuff because it genuinely gives you a buzz when you see them kick on and and, and do something at a higher level. Oh, absolutely. And then we, you know, when you go up to the highest levels and you, you know, look at Sam Kerr, who has played in the, in the backyards here yeah. for forever, you know, we've got one of the best players in the world. Probably um, when you look at it, no, no other player from Australia has been listed in the top 10 players in the world, male or female. Um, and she was in our backyard. She's been ex- extremely accessible to everybody um, and, you know, it really shows you how well we can develop footballers. Yeah, the West has always had a, had a good production line, even from the, the early years of the A-League. A lot of players uh, either went over East or they've 
they, they went abroad. Uh, you even look back to the likes of, of Danny De Silva, who, who who started his sort of time of the glory as a youngster before sort yeah. of moving moving Stan, around. Stan Lazaridis, Tom Beadies, there's there's so sure, many Murphy. players. Yeah, yeah lots of players that have gone off. over, and yeah, you could, as you said, you can rattle them off. There's a couple of them still coaching now, and you know, Pinkoviches, yeah. <laughs> rattling them off. <laughs> no, we have a, a great. Um, a great history of developing good players, not always recognised for it, but um, you know the the good thing is that they're all on show tomorrow night. Um, if you can't get to the ground, certainly log into the the live stream which you'll be presenting. Yeah, you get that on the Football West uh, Facebook, or you yep. can even uh, log into the YouTube's and it'll be on there. Looking very much forward to your your calling of the game tomorrow, and uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. It's Thanks, our Tom. pleasure, Tom. Tommy Dolman, Football West. Um, yeah, he'll be coaching, or coaching, he'll be calling he'll the be game. Coaching. Coaching. He could coach he could, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'll get be calling wide, the game. Get wide. He'll be calling the game tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, I just noticed there was a, an interesting thing I, I got last night, I've seen today on, on Facebook, um, about the rugby crowd last night in Melbourne. Where they had a, a huge rugby crowd in with active support everything right um but we can't do that for football no no because they're all hooligans at the football ground you know that uh, whether you're a hooligan or a toff you're still going to get covid <laughs> covid has no class distinctions no, no well again it's um it's the mexicans doing the the mexican dance isn't it yeah uh, well you know the mexicans get covid don't they? <laughs> Oh yeah. uh, well, I mean, look, you can complain all you like about things, but I thought, you know, the the um, half price flights that was announced the other day, I can't help but think, with Broome being the only destination yep. in WA that you can go to, and Alice Springs being the only destination that people from WA can go to, yeah. was a, a federal smack in the face for the way we've managed things. Yeah, well, and again, I think it we've was done an it Eastern well. Seaboard initiative, and yeah, they're doing it tough over there. Like as you said earlier, we're in the best place. Yeah, in the world, but most, so. of, but most of the destinations are Queensland. Yep. Hey, yeah. Beautiful one day, perfect the next. I know. <laughs> well, anyway, so that, that, those but, top. Um, but they've got a doctor over there with COVID. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they've, uh, yeah. they've found some more traces in the, in the Absolutely, Gold Coast. Yes. So those games, it's um, the Inglewood Perth final kicks off at seven o'clock, and of course the. Uh, the Armadale ECU game, that's the five o'clock kickoff down at Coburn, Dalmatic Park. So, um, as you've called it, the Battle of Britain. As it was. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've refereed that a couple of times, and quite frankly, whew, <laughs> do that down at Armadale. That's, uh, that's earning your money, that was for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. Uh, It'd be a good game, eh? Look, two very, very different coaches, um, yep. but you know, both of them are winners. And Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, to be, like you said, it'd be interesting to see which approach Kenny takes. I'm, yeah. I'm sort of leaning more towards let's have a look at the rest of the boys, but um, you never know. He's you a- never do know. All right, I've been in a conversation with our next guest who was uh, Donna Gouffray. She's unavailable for a little while, so we're going to just accelerate the uh, curve and get hold of young Phil. Yep. So um, we're calling him after these ads. Good one. And we're back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? 
The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour-bond aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, and we're back. We're back. Um, big news this weekend or of... This well, week. Coventry City back to the the Rico. That that was huge news. Oh, absolutely no! I, I, I was, Who wants to play contain, that dump at St Andrews? What a couldn't dump. contain my excitement, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, so you can hardly hear me. I don't know why that is. Okay, it must be the line. Um, during the week, there was an announcement made by Football West uh, that the standing committee approved the Football West's determination that State League 1 and 2 are amateur competitions and for Football West to work with the State League Standing Committee to migrate to professional status for State League 1 in 2002 or 2003 and beyond. Um, one of the people that's been involved in that is uh, Phil Kelly, who is the chair of the State League Standing Committee. And uh, Phil joins us now. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Hugh. Morning, Phil. Uh, t- trust the volume's all right now. I think I fixed it. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is, it is now. I could barely hear you before, but now you've, you've done well. Okay, thank you. Um, this news of the State League 1 and 2 being um, considered an amateur league, uh, what's the impact on State League for that? Yeah, quite a bit, and maybe not much as well. It's probably a bit mixed. The the big thing is to probably talk about how and why that decision was made and how Absolutely, it came about. Absolutely, please do. Um, I mean, towards the end of last year, calendar year, I think it was around about November, Football West um, made it or decided to meet with the standing committee urgently just in relation to some matters that had come up regarding the NPL. And these were some guidance um, from the FFA in relation to league status. I think most of us are all pretty much aware that there are two types of player registration under the NID, that being an amateur or a professional, and what goes into um, defining those two terms is very, very critical. But based on some of the outcomes from the Adelaide City event that happened in 2018, um, I think you've discussed it on your show previously as well, so these are yep. breaches to the NRG. It exposed a few elements within the Australian game where the registration of players 
um, had been quite questionable, particularly those around amateur and professional status. Now, to counteract that, the FFA and under the guidance of FIFA have mandated that leagues must be defined as either professional or amateur. Now, when a league is defined as a professional league, irrespective of the player registration, whether you're an amateur or a professional, that league must be um, must be determined by transfer deadlines. And all anyone that's played or familiar with the European game and um, has played football manager or aware of the transfer deadlines <laughs> yes. that are in place for professional leagues. <laughs> and that means that even if you're signing an amateur player, they must be signed within those specific prescribed windows. And unfortunately for Australia, yep. those prescribed windows are suited to the A-League. So not don't suit winter competition particularly well. So to help that, the FFA discussed that with FIFA and they've managed to get an additional window to apply for two things. The one for the women's football and a different window to apply for women's football. And in addition to that, an additional window so the NPL leagues around the country, of which most of which <laughs> had been defined as professional, mm-hmm. um, could have an additional window which actually opens very, very soon. Um, so the window just closed, for example, um, or recently closed from January. Yep. There's another window that's opening up very, very shortly, which is the extra provisional window that's been given for Australian winter. And will that be uh, a four-week window as well? Yeah, I think it is a four-week window as well. So they tend to be um, in a four-week window, as you, as you rightly pointed out, Hugh. Right. And the problem is, is that to define a league as professional, one player must be defined as a professional in that league. Mm-hmm. So... As soon as, and it doesn't matter what league it might be, it could be the Metro South Division 5, if a player is on professional papers and it registers for that league, in that league, the entire league is then deemed as professional and subject to these additional conditions. Now, obviously, we've got rules in place for certain competitions that prevent the registration of a professional. Um, they apply from Sunday Premier League all the way down, and now... Unfortunately, State League 2 and State League 1 are also defined by that process as well. That kind of explains why we're here. Mm. Um, And then there's obviously a number of implications that are attached off of that as well. So my my take on this is, I mean, obviously for for many a year, we've not had professional players registered within the State League. Um, But there's always been this status of a semi-pro league and as we've we've spoken about earlier it's like being pregnant you either are or you're not uh, and you can't be just a little bit preggers and you can't be just a little bit professional it, yeah it's just a an on-off situation either you're a professional or you're an amateur yeah correct and it's black and white it's defined by articles four and five of the national registration guidelines um and very very specific groups it's prescribed and the i guess the two core triggers of whether or not a player is, is a professional, is if they're paid more than $120, and or a written agreement exists um, in relation to that player's engagement to play football. All right, so, so, what you're, so, so what you're saying is I can, if I wanted to, enter into an agreement with a player that I'm going to pay him 250 300 a week, and that's cool, he can still be registered as an amateur. Uh, no. So there's provisions <laughs> under the NRG which allow you to justify those expenses. So you could. Yeah. Um, 
you could enter into an agreement with a player um, to reimburse his specific expenses. Yep. But for that to be, uh, I guess, valid under the rules of the NRG, you would need to approach Football West. Um, you would need to discuss the, the uh, terms of this agreement with Football West. They would need to then approve his or her, actually, because it's a player yep. women's game as well. Um, so his or her... Um, expenses and then approve their status as an amateur footballer. Clear as mud. Mm. If, uh, if, and I think, it is, I think it is pretty clear. Yeah, I think and it is. For, for State League 1 and State League 2 and certainly probably for the women's game and, and at a stretch probably the NPL as well, I don't think that's too much of a burden. Right. I don't think it's something that we can we can, we can we're not changing or reinventing the wheel. And to be honest, I don't think a lot has changed from last year. But what it's doing is it is formalising and, I guess, legitimising yeah. a lot of this sort of stuff. And, yeah. and I think that's important for the game. And, and I've long said that we shouldn't be afraid of professionalising no. the game. I, I personally think that the, the NPL, both men and women's, should be professionalised. Um, and to a degree, the state league should also be. But it's just we've got this, this backdoor approach where we will pay players. Yeah. Um, and look, let's face it, you've, we've got a lot of tradies here who could work on a Saturday um, and earn more money than they could earn under the NRG as an amateur player um, on a Saturday at their trade who then could go out and play on Sunday in the amateur league and pick up what is in with, within the NRG and in some cases beyond that and still be better off. Exactly, and this is the challenge that I guess some clubs and some players will have is making those economic decisions. But I mean, again, back to the fundamental, and you you know, Sean, I say this a lot. Why are you playing football? Um, what are you here for? If you're here to make a living, you're definitely probably a long way off yeah. of where you need to be. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, really, at this level, um, up to NPL, I think enjoyment and... Um, you know, all the, all the good things about being part of a club and being part of a football club probably need to take precedence. Um, the actual, you know, if you're, if you're looking at any, living in the NPL or the State League 1 or State League 2, um, I think you're in a bit of trouble. Yep. Now, you state that the meeting with Football West was back in November. Um, we're now at, in March and it's been formalised. Now, there was an urgent meeting in November and we've now made the decision or formally made the decision in March, doesn't really tell me there's a sense of urgency. Um, no. And look, there's an unfortunate circumstance where, yes, the decision was made, the recommendation was ratified by the State League Standing Committee back in November. Um, one important component was missing, and that was the communication to clubs. Now... Obviously, those of us on the State League Standing Committee, there's 10 of us, um, 10 of 24 clubs. We're quite, you know, we're living and breathing this stuff every day. So we were talking about discussing these things and very much aware. It wasn't until we were having some discussions in relation to it last week that we came to realise as, as a committee that the communication may not have gone out to clubs. So we um, highlighted for the West that effect and then obviously they confirmed that and the communication went out within 24 hours of us making that observation. Mm. Okay, well... So that's, that's just an, an unfortunate set of circumstances. Fortunately, it's occurred before we've kicked a ball in anger, so 
um, not all not all bad. Yeah. Um, what's been the reaction of, of clubs, particularly yeah. those outside of those ten that were involved in that decision? There's another fourteen clubs that would probably have not known that have probably entered into agreements with players now, which are what null and void. Well, Nick, that's going to be a very difficult thing. I urge clubs to get in contact with the league standing committee or with club support um, at Football West um, to at least discuss those situations because. Um, they may be complicated, and there may be there may be concerns around some of those. So, Football West isn't going to take a, I guess, an archaic approach and start looking to punish clubs and punish players and individuals in these circumstances. We need to be sensible. Um, I think it's just a matter of you know rejigging a few things. Um, it may be a very simple change, um, and justifying those expenses, for example. But what's really really critical is that we don't just ignore it. And um, take the it's okay we're in WA we do things differently approach because it can actually throw both leagues into serious disrepute if there's evidence of a player contract at some point this season the entire all registration of every single player in the league could potentially be challenged. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing for me is Football West is to work with the State League Standing Committee and its clubs to clarify the issues raised with the national registration guidelines and registration windows in line for the 2022 season. Um, But it doesn't mention the 2021 season. The, The underlying tone of this is that the NRG must be complied with and that if you're outside of that... Um, and whether you're in the NPL or the um, State League, um, we could potentially have some problems. We could. Uh, You've you got to look at the history, OK? I think there's one professional player outside the Perth Glory registered this year in WA. Yep. So that's across all divisions, irrespective of, of, um, of um, whether it's the NPL or State League or Women's League. There's only one player. Now, for the last two seasons, because we did... This is the... I guess all the questions we were asking back in November, yep. how many professional players were registered, um, and it's been not been since the 2018 season that a professional player has played in the State League 1 or State League 2. So, in effect, in essence, what we're doing now is status quo. Now, I know, you know, everybody knows that that's probably not accurate. <laughs> yeah. That we were, probably, we were probably existing outside of the NRG, and that's kind of why this is happening. Well, you, know, you and I have sat in on player interviews or, or player discussions where they've told us what another club is prepared to pay them and we've said, well, you better go and play for them then because yeah. we're nowhere near that that level. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah. And, look, and, those, and look, we don't know if those discussions are true. We don't know what, what's going on. But, well, but having said that, have been had for years. at least half of yeah. those players have, have then signed for a, a much lesser figure. So, <laughs> you know, that kind of tells you where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. But it is, look, it's a minefield if we don't understand, I guess, all of our obligations. Well, there, there are implications, though. I mean, we, we've got, um, with, with our competition set up the way it is, and particularly in the NPL, you've got 18s, under-21s, and the uh, first team. Um, what happens with with someone who's registered as an amateur in the 18s or the 21s who moves up into the first team, uh, and particularly if they get a payment over the NRG, um, 
or the FFA Cup or one of those comps. Has it worked for them? I don't think that's really clear. The governance and compliance around player payments and the player status and related issues. I mean, yeah, it's very simple. The NRG states that 110 or $120 without um, any justification, and then over that you've got to justify it. But it, it is a, a, a real minefield. Absolutely is. And I mean, the 18s and reserves is a very interesting point. So you may not have registered your under-18 to compete in the league um, within the transfer window um, mm. prescribed format. You promote him mid-season. What happens then? Are we allowed to do that? And these are all the questions and um, potential scenarios that we were hoping to discuss yeah. throughout this year. To get I- us right. And this is, why, this is why we couldn't, at November last year define the state league as a professional league, yeah. although we think we probably sh- we probably should have, um, the, it's these scenarios that prevent us from, um, from, from being able to do that because there were too many questions um, that were unknown. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, there's other things. I suppose the, the ATO um, rules and um, the rules yeah. on, on um, it, superannuation... I mean, ATO and superannuation benefits, those things exist today regardless. Now, the clubs and Football West and SFA have no say in jurisdiction over superannuation guarantee or ATO. Mm-hmm. That's down to an individual club, an individual player, um, player's personal circumstances. Um, but if you're handing over cash to somebody today, yep. you're bound by the superannuation guarantee, irrespective. Um so that doesn't change. That hasn't changed. Nothing's changing there. And Likewise, that's that's what like four hundred and fifty dollars in a four week period or something I, like that. I think it's three fifty or something along those yeah. lines. Don't don't quote me on it. No, but even so, a, even a player that's on a player that's on an amateur status at one hundred and ten playing every week would would exceed that. So possibly. And yeah. again, this is back to and not to sound like a you know someone that I'm avoiding it, but. It does really depend on the individual circumstances, whether that income is, is declarable, whether it is accessible income, um, all those sorts of things. But it does matter to the person's individual circumstances. Mm. And, that, and, and that obviously varies across the board. So all of these, I know the doom and gloom has been discussed, or we have to pay super, we have to pay tax and all these sorts of things. Those things exist today anyway if you're paying a player. Yeah. Making them, making them professional doesn't change that. No. But what does it do to the status of the league itself? I mean, both the, the State League and 1 and 2 have sat somewhere between the MPL and Premier Amateurs. Um, the, the nomination fee is, is quite um, quite a, a significantly more yeah. than, than Amateur Prems. And now we're an Amateur Prem Plus and it's still at a premium nomination fee. And, you know, I think, was it $6,000 a club? So... $72,000 for Divi 1 and Divi 2, 144 grand. What do the clubs get for that? Yeah, I think it's a little less for Division 2. So I think the um, fee, including GST, is about 6700 for for Division 1 and maybe it's 4700 for Division 2. Yeah. And it is a question that's being raised today. So that's a, a significant concern that is being raised by state league clubs. Yeah. It's not a new thing. It's something that's been that's been raised for quite some time and you know, when you look at, I mean, NPL, for example, is $12,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, 
But, uh, but the other thing now, is, I, I suppose... Know the arguments in the past have been about the fact that the State League is more expensive to administer, um, guaranteed referees, mm. um, all these... Uh, yeah, there's, there's bigger compliance, there's more compliance issues for Football West, yeah. for the club, all that mixed in. However, you do make a good point, and it's a point that's been made by many State League clubs, is that are we just now an amateur Premier League that plays on a Saturday mm-hmm. and those types of things? And yes, probably, maybe not as well. But um, but also previously, the, the state amateur uh, team was was only applied to players who played in, in the, the amateur Sunday leagues. Yeah. Now that the, yeah. MP, or the State League 1 and 2 are now an amateur league, does that mean that... The, well, no, it's not potentially they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is are they now eligible? All those players in state one and two are eligible to try out for the state amateur side because they're playing in an amateur well, league. Well, I'm guaranteeing you one thing: I'm betting against the uh, professional state league team because only one player. So, yeah, but um, yeah, but I any might. any player that's in that in that professional league would league, be able to apply for two. the for that state yeah. side at the top oh, level. I, I agree, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because, they're, because they're playing in a professional league and they wouldn't be able to, to, to nominate for the amateur side because they're playing in a professional league. But now that the Absolutely, State 1 and yeah. 2 are amateur, can players who are playing in State 1 and 2, um, you know, Graham Tuff from Mandra, for example, yeah. can, can he go now and go, oh, I want to play for the State amateur side? Uh, in my view, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that wow. is what will come out of this, is, is, is that that will probably define some of the statuses of those types of, of those representative teams as well. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's something pre-COVID, it's something we were talking about. We were talking about um, doing like an NPL All-Stars and Division One and Division Two All-Stars and that type of thing. It's something that we were talking about and expanding on our represent, representative teams. Yeah. Um, and it is something that we'll probably do and talk about again this year yep. as well, hopefully. Because uh, I think it's a good thing to do regardless and regardless of the professional amateur status, I think that's a good thing to do anyway. Mm. Um, but I think you're right. I think that that will have some impact on our on our representative teams for the state too. And as far as the State League Standing Committee go, there's um, there's election for positions coming up shortly and if you if people are unhappy with what's gone on maybe they need to put their boots around that table mm. yeah absolutely look and I think our terms uh, for this period finish on june 30 um so yeah look, clubs will be asked to nominate people who they uh, for all standing committees and referee standing committees coaching standing committees etc as well yeah um yeah nominations will be called for from the clubs and there will be a democratic process to elect new chairs and and new committees, and we should we should all embrace that. Yeah, because, uh, they're very, they're very important to the governance of the game. I I can I, I mean I know that all the committees have copped a bit of flack. As do all committees, yeah. Um, uh, let me but let <laughs> as, me guess. As do all committees. But let me guess yeah. the the flack they copper from the people who don't send representatives right. to those yep. committees. Yep, it's always the way, right? Yep. It's always the way. Um, you know, all the people that have done their time and not done enough and all that sort of stuff, mm, all those yeah. people. But the big thing I want to say, and I want to give some credit, not only to the standing committee that exists today, um, which I am once, of course, I'd say this, but also Football West, because they have made some serious changes in respect to how they conduct themselves with the standing committee. And admitting arms up in the air, we're not, we've not got this right for a while, Um as probably right now as it stands today, 
the best it's been, and I've been involved in the standing committee process probably the best part of the last decade. And it's the best it's been with respect to accountability, um, minutes of meetings, all the recommendations are up on the website now. Um, there's a lot more, I guess, openness and accountability. Yeah. And the other thing is, when when you look over the last couple of years with with COVID and with all these other changes that have been forced by um, either the uh, FIFA or the um, the Asian Football Federation, we we we've just been battered by a lot of compliance issues. And and as FIFA cleans its house, we're we're getting caught up in the tail end of that. Yeah, we are, and we're a global game, and and it's mm. really obvious when things like this happen with respect to this amateur professional status. Yeah. Because let's be honest, that does not fit our game very well here, particularly in WA. We all know that. We all we all admit that. But unfortunately, while we're playing under the FIFA badge and the FIFA guidelines and statutes, it's what we have to put up with. Oh, look, and, and I, I, I get it. It's absolutely right. There's things that I complain about, such as visa players. You know, someone that comes out here to work as a minor electrician plumber on, on a trade visa isn't out here to play to to be a footballer professionally they should not be counted as a visa player so that you know but that's the international yeah. ruling and it ju- it's just frustrating yeah. because we do have a high migrant um quantity here so there's yeah. there's that but then th- for years the thing, though, we've so also on, used on that basis on that basis what will probably be likely going forward is that those strict regimented guidelines would apply to a professional league, not so much for an amateur league. Yeah. And I think that that's probably one of the benefits that will come out of this restructure, although it's not really a restructure, it's more yeah. um, making us all accountable because these, these kind of existed previously, we just weren't that strict on them. Yeah. But, but that's histo- probably one of the things that will get better going forward. But historically over the years, we've gone, look, we understand that the, the FIFA and the FA, FFA standard for the NRG is is this, but it doesn't fit what we want. So we we will reject that reality and replace it with one of our own making and, and make a semi-pro uh, contract between player and club and exist outside of the system. And, and what you're saying and, and is that, those days are gone. Yeah. Uh, well, anyone that thinks and believes that, Jump on Google, Google Adelaide City Breach. Yep. Have a good read of the the very detailed summary that the FFSA have um, produced on what occurred, particularly with that breach, mm-hmm. and then ask yourself the question again. I think we change your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again. Uh, just the underlying tone of this is that somewhere along the line, someone has got a pineapple waiting for them, um, <laughs> you know, and just make sure that it's not you because yeah. it, it's going to ask Adelaide. There's a, there's, a plant, there's a plantation ready. It was, um, <laughs> yeah, the first it was first seeded in Adelaide City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a, yeah, that was a big book thrown there. That's for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. Look, I, I agree with you, Phil. I know that, um, you know, being in, in the State League Standing Committee itself isn't an easy task. I've been there and done it. Um, and being the, the, the chair is an even harder mm. task. And you can ask people like Morris Tatiri, um, his experience about it. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult role. Uh, and you, you can't, can't be universally liked when you do that. But it's, um, it's all in the best interest of the game. So thank you for your time and your service. No problem at all, and um, it's great to come on and be able to provide some clarity on some of these things as well. No worries. Thank you for your time, Phil. Easy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Phil.
Phil Kelly, chair of the State League Standing Committee, I think the, the ramifications of this are going to ripple out across both. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the, the Adelaide City ruling. Oh, yeah. like, like I used to follow Adelaide City when uh, when they were in the NSL, that, a marvellous club, and they, they, were, they believed they could do whatever they like but they because were they were Adelaide of, City. But they were stripped of eight titles. They oh, got yeah. A, a, uh, they got a financial yep. penalty, oh, yeah. and they were deducted 10 points yeah. for three consecutive yeah, oh, seasons, yeah. with, with this season being the last one. That's right. As I said, huge book. You know, yeah. don't, don't worry about You Think of the biggest book you can think of, and it was bigger than that. They just went hardcore because th- th- there's, no, there's, no, there's no leeway anymore. It's black. Like I say, and I, I still giggle every time you make that joke. You, you can't be a bit pregnant. You can't be a bit semi-professional. You oh. can't. It, it, you either you are or you're not, and if you say you're not, and it turns out you are. Oh, I'm. I'm just surprised you think it's a joke. It's not a joke. It, <laughs> it is real. No, you know? no it's and it, real. <laughs> look, the thing is that I, I think people, you know, think that if they slide someone oh, yeah. too much change for a drink or a yep. brown a brown paper bag, yep. or, or meet them behind the bus stop on the way home and and hand over X amount of money to someone, it doesn't exist. Unfortunately, it does yep, exist. Yep. And unfortunately, as you know, teams have found out. Glory found out. Um, we all think yes. it's all it's all going to go well until somebody, a coach or a player, Says becomes disgruntled yep. and then goes to Football West or the FFA with a with a contract that shouldn't exist and goes. There you go. They owe me yep. three years of um, superannuation payments. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and that's where people, where they, like like I say, you know, a little, you know, here's the tenner for that beer and here's twenty change. Um, yeah. That's payment. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, yeah. That, that has superannuation that has all sorts of uh, serious ramifications now. I mean, the 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 clarity that that Phil's just given us. Uh, any club out there that thinks they can they can continue to do what has been the normal in the past, they need to have a serious second guess. But we're living in the West, in the wild, wild West. Wild, wild West. <laughs> so, you know, it, it doesn't exist. And, and I think this is the problem, that people yep. don't believe it's going to happen. And I would hate to see some of the, the bigger clubs in yeah. this state with, with long histories of, of winning championships to have them taken away from them. Yep. And then when we're looking at going to a national second division, some of those clubs will be those ones that are looking to go there. That may well be denied them yep. because they're not doing the right thing. And you only, only have themselves to blame. Blame, yep. You know, and this is this is all part of professionalising the game. The national second division coming in; these are all things that we want as a player pathway. But coming along with that is the extra oversight and the extra scrutiny that clubs are going to come under. And I think at some stage, and as much as I can hear some presidents going. <laughs> um, I'd rather kill you than let you look at my books. That's going to happen, and there's there's going to have to be some financial oh, scrutiny. Yeah. And that, you know, I know why they don't want to do it because um, you know the the confidentiality is always in question. And yep. you know, we're a small state; everybody knows everybody. But you know, and a person needs to be the person that's going through those who's. Very strictly bound by oh, yeah. by statute and law. It'll be an independent auditor. And, yeah, and absolutely. That, they, they will want full transparency. And if you, like you suggest, go well, here's a set of books. No, no, the books. Yeah, all of them. Absolutely, and all those little things like you know, um, we we don't pay anyone over one hundred and ten dollars. No. But I've I've got a. Sp- 
<laughs> a, a, a sponsor who, who, who may, I don't know, because I'm not involved in it, may nope. be giving you more money to play every yeah. week. That That is a sponsorship. That is a payment. And that again, is professional. Every, mm. No matter who provides the money, it's people getting paid. That's right. Yep. Implications on player, on club and, and the state. And I think with the Adelaide City, although I can't find anything that tells me so, I believe it cost the FFA a serious amount of Swiss francs as well. Because the, oh, the FA yeah. was also held responsible for it happening on their watch. And so again, as I said, there's the pyramid and it goes all the way to the top. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, very interesting times ahead. And I think, you know, um, I don't want it to hurt anybody in the state. No, I no. think we've, we've got, you know, good, honest people working in and this. Again, it's, it's not designed to hurt anybody. It's designed to... to Even the playing field, professionalise right. the game. And no player should be feared of no. going professional. No, 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 and that's not what this is about. It's not denying you the the, the remuneration that you deserve for your talent. Correct. It's, it's saying, but also it within that, to be it provides protection declared. for the club because if oh, yeah. I if I sign a player on a two or three year contract, yep. then that means no one else can sniff around and that's take him right. off me with, without giving me financial compensation for exactly doing exactly so. right. But anyway, that's my soapbox of the day. <laughs> We're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Donna Gouffray from DT38. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. I'm Penny Tannehoe. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Program. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. All right, Hugh, you've been looking on uh, the, the community pages. And yeah, I have indeed. Yeah, yeah. So um, those that may know, the the, um, the RAC WA Sports West Awards were were held at the RAC Arena. Uh, and the good news, and it's a smiling picture there, as most people who know him would uh, <laughs> be very surprised to see, Ken Shorto, president of the, um, the Balga Soccer Club, won the um, RAC Community Club of the Year Award. Well done. Sensational. Excellent work, Ken, and all those out there at Balga. It's nice ah. to see our game topping the... Yeah, yep. And there was a few other uh, nominees there. Uh, um, you know, Dianella for the uh, WA Insurance Beyond Sport Award uh, were nominated. 
Uh, and, you know, Football West and our game were quite clearly front and centre at those awards. Excellent news. Now, someone who is front and centre of a very important organisation is our next guest, who is Donna Gouffray from DT38. Donna, good morning and how are you? Uh, good morning, Jens. Uh, good. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. Um, how's the family? Very well, thank you. Tracking along well. Our little boy is almost four months old, so it's quite crazy how quickly they grow. Yeah, that's amazing because uh, the last time I spoke, he was he was still in um, in vitro, so he was he was hiding at that stage. But um, yes, out, he out was, about yes. healthy and and um, going well. Everything's going really well. Uh, it's a huge jump from one to two. If anyone's got kids, um, they'll understand. Um, especially when the first one is three and a half years old and just wants to play uh, soccer, basketball, cricket and golf in the space of 20 minutes. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's great. Uh, our last guest is the father of four, so he knows exactly what you're going through. Oh, God, God bless him. Apparently, by the time you've got the fourth boy, you're just going, yeah, whatever. You know, the first one, you the helicopter parent picking up everything. By the time the fourth yep. one comes along, you're going, there's a razor blade. Play with that. <laughs> Look, I, um, my husband made me aware a couple of weeks ago that I had no photos of our second boy, John Luca, up in the house. So I literally went to Kmart and did a photo printing frenzy and got some frames. And now our house is full. And he's like, okay, I think you need to calm down. Um, we didn't need that many. But <laughs> you just forget. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, with, with two boys in the house now and, um, you know, DC38 would be very much in your mind now as these as these boys grow Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And, uh, we, you know, we talk about your, your youngest there being born four months ago. Um, on the 8th of March was uh, Dylan's, or would have been Dylan's 27th birthday. Mm. He's still very, That's very right. young and he's not with us. Yes, yeah, 27, such a young age and... Um you know, it's always such a special day because we get to, you know, look back on his legacy and look, uh, you know, look forward to the work that we're doing in honour of him, which I think makes it even more special. I mean, you know, so obviously for Tracy, Jim and Taylor and the family, um, you know, it's always a day to remember him. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a bit of sadness there for everyone that did know him when, you know, his birthday comes along. But um, also you you look to the future and you just look at all the work that we've done in the past um five and so years so you know it's all in honor of him and that's our you know that's always our main goal you know we've always got a picture of him in the back of our mind um for the work that we do because it's because of him that we're doing this and, and whilst people remember you're never really truly gone and i suppose that's part of yep. the legacy no. that's left behind is that you know whilst he himself physically isn't here um his influence is is very much front and center it is you know and you've got the likes of you know football australia and west ham and you know, all the other small media outlets as well, always remembering him on his birthday. There hasn't been a time that they haven't, you know, they've put up highlights or pictures or words in honour of him. But it's really, um, we're really grateful, firstly, that they continue to remember and honour him because that's a big thing for, I'm sure, the family. But it also uh, just shows the work that we're doing, how important it is that, you know, no one should have to go through what Dylan's family went through and no one should have to go through what Dylan went through. Um, and that's our main goal, as you know. Absolutely, and um, as always, adding new people to the DT38 family, I yes. believe Luke Wiltshire is uh, the, the most recent of your ambassadors. Yes, yes, he is. He's such a great guy. Uh, obviously, myself growing up watching football, uh, watched him part of the golden generation, and he was one of the most talented footballers and now coaching over in New South Wales. 
And uh, when I spoke to him, he was more than honoured uh, to do whatever he needs to do to help us. And that's, that's the beauty of the people that are coming on board, you know, to the charity. Um, the likes of Luke and the likes of, you know, we've got Damien Martin, the likes of John Aloisi. They're always lean ready. They're always two, you know, two minutes away from whatever they can do, whether it's a photo, whether it's a tweet, whether it's a media obligation. They're just, they're so um, helpful and we're so grateful for that. And that's, you know, I know... Um, kids can resonate with them because they know who they are Mm. and that's the main goal you know there's so much talking i can do but if i get you know someone like john aloisi on the stage or someone like daniel garb kids are like oh wow and that's the main thing because then all of a sudden they're listening really yeah you know there's what we want Sammy Kerr, there's so many that you could think of, and all quality, oh. all quality people and you know the the fact they yeah. want to be involved is 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 magnificent. Yeah. It is, it's great. And, um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be talking to Guy Finkler, who, you know, was huge in the A-League over yep. here, very prominent over there in Brazil. He's over there at the moment. He saw the work. Um, I've been very active on LinkedIn, making sure, because, you know, that's our target market now, people in business and stuff like that. And, you know, he saw the work and he was just like, you know, let's have a chat. Like, what, what can I do? And someone like that, to me, again, he was part of Melbourne Victory as well and Wellington and... I idolise him as a player and as a person. He's actually one of the kindest people to reach out and want to yeah. talk and he's 11 hours behind us. Just shows what we're doing is so important. It doesn't matter where you are in the world and no matter who you are. And uh, talking about world, COVID has been um, a scourge across the planet. We seem to be coming through that um, awful exercise. Yes. Um, your, your fundraising was virtually shut down during that time. What's going yes. on? Because, you know, the foundation needs dollars to survive and, and to do what it does so well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, at the moment we're in talks now because everything is kind of COVID normal here in WA. We're quite yep. lucky mm. other than the shutdown we had a few weeks ago or months ago. Um, and it wasn't really a shutdown when you speak to everyone else in the world. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, uh, so we're in talks now. We want to do some sort of community event. I know the likes of Sterling and Perth Soccer Club are always willing to put their hands up and still and play there. So, you know, I will be talking. Um, I floated the idea to Luke Pavlos, who's the president of Sterling Lions. And, yep. you know, he's, he emails me every year and he's like, hey, what can I do? And it's, People like that is so important, um, you know, even Perth Soccer Club as well. So we're going to um, sit down as a team and now regroup and see something small that we can do, just a small community event to get everyone involved and say, hey, DT38 is still here, and then work our way up. Um, we're in the process now of changing all our signage at Perth Soccer Club, uh, sorry, for the Perth Glory at uh, HBF Park there. Yep. You know, we're changing, we've got the DT38 logo on the fencing, but we've actually upgraded it and we're changing it now to have the picture of Dylan plus the logo. So we're doing small things uh, because we can't run straight away. Obviously, people are still struggling from COVID yeah. um, in terms of, you know, finances and whatnot. But, but so talking we'll of definitely small be having something. Talking of small things, and I mean every every yep. house across the the nation now is collecting cans and bottles, um, containers for yep. change. If you want to donate those containers for change and the, the the money you get back, there's an avenue for you to do that through DC Thirty Eight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you jump on our Facebook pages or our website, you'll see the container for change ID code on there. And if you just write that on your bag and you go donate it, it gets donated directly to us to get the full funds, which is also another initiative. Um, you know, there's people doing it and it's great. We're also running our 3.80, um, you know, either in pounds or dollars um, campaign at the moment, obviously 38. 
Arthur Thread yep. Lady, and um, you can donate through that. Um, our link is on our website, again, on our social media platforms. Um, if you can't see it on there, hit me up on LinkedIn. I've had people do that. Uh, but just goes to show, you know, um, just a quick one. I had someone from Rio Tinto contact me on LinkedIn and yeah. one of the young guys there suffering testicular cancer and he saw the post on LinkedIn and everything that we're doing and he's like, hey, do you think you can help him out? And I had the young fella call me and um, we're in the process now of giving him some support and seeing what the next stage is for him, how we can assist him. So just even small things like that, we're raising awareness and we're helping those that we probably couldn't reach at the moment because of COVID and we can't, we couldn't get there, but we're still getting there because people are contacting us through our socials and, you know, wanting that help, which is also just so important. But the the 380 appeal, I mean, it's such a simple idea. And for less than a price yeah. of one <laughs> cup of coffee, um, like $3.80 to most people is next to nothing. A million people do Correct. it. You can do some good good work with that money. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's going to go towards our educational programs. We'll go to our next events on how we can go speak at clubs. Um, you know, there's heaps of football work clubs out here that are constantly reaching out saying, you know, can you come out and talk and things like that. So everything is towards our education program and everything is towards, you know, the next step on how we can evolve as a charity as well and as a business because it is a business now. Yep. You know, uh, we need to make money in order to keep the charity alive. So without the money, the charity is, you know, it's never going to be non-existent, but we won't be able to achieve what we want to achieve. So it's very important for us. And, and You're right. It's a cup of coffee in WA. <laughs> and the ed- education is is so important. There are so many people mm-hmm. get caught up with the embarrassment of having to go and talk to a doctor about the twins. And, you know, we, we've got to <laughs> yeah. try and, and break that stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I, I lost an acquaintance who um, ignored his own health and ended up dying of, of septicemia. Um, you know, we, oh, we men tend to do this sort of thing we try we try go i oh, will just tough it through i'll pop an extra couple of painkillers and i'll i'll punch my way through there are some things you cannot punch your way through and testicular cancer is one of them no yeah absolutely it's so important um you know the other day my little boy is being taught about body parts at school already at daycare and he's only three and a half years old so i was a bit how do i have this conversation with him but I've always called it a doodle and I've never actually talked about his testicles because he's three and a half, but I've been told I'm not allowed to call it that anymore. You have to refer to it as what it is because if something is wrong and something is hurting them, then at least they can tell you. So it's very important even at this young age, I can tell you what's wrong. Is it sore? What's happened? You know, this hurts. So it's very important. And I've noticed that myself, obviously, even for mums or, uh, you know, for mums, it's quite, sometimes it's quite embarrassing to speak to your kids or your teenagers about it because... How do you approach it? You just get dad to do it, but there's not always a male figure in their lives. Yeah, that but can have this conversation. I, I think very important. In some ways, uh, women are ahead of the curve because once you get pregnant, your dignity is left at the door at the doctors, so you, yeah. you're quite yeah. used to it. The door ten times. <laughs> yeah, but but for men, you know, we, we tend to hide things away and, and ignore it, and it will go past. And and it's just it's stupid, but it's what we do, and and we need to get over that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a terrible stigma. It's getting it's getting a lot better. Um, you know, as I said to you, for example, is people contacting me directly and have knowing, you know, they're not ashamed to speak about it. Um, full conversations for half an hour. Um, obviously, they probably feel a bit more comfortable speaking to me because I'm part of the organisation that you know is all, mm. is all about that. So it probably makes it a lot easier. But um, yeah, as 
you said there is, you know, males who think, oh, I'll just take a couple of new friends of $100, it's going to go away. No, it doesn't necessarily just go away. No. And, the perfect and it ties into so many other avenues of your health. If you're not worried about talking oh, about the twins, then you yeah. can you can talk about your heart, you can talk about depression, you can talk about mm-hmm. so many other things that we've tended to to be your bloke you've got to bluff your way through this so you know it's a although yeah. it's you are focused on one particular thing it's it's not just that it spreads out into no. so many other avenues yeah absolutely men's health is so important you know as you said women um there's a huge uh, focus on women's health and we're more comfortable speaking about it men not so much so men's health is what you know that's our that's our dream is to educate people on your mental health because mental health is so important as well when it comes to these things. You know, when I spoke to the young lad up from Rio, he's quite young. I think he's in his mid thirties that has just lost the testicle. And now he wants to know what the next step is. He's had so much mixed um, opinions, wants to speak to us. And, you know, mentally I was like, are you, are you okay? Because that's the main focus as well. Cause if you're struggling and you don't have people to talk to, it can bring you down and it can just affect you even more. Um, so that's the number one thing as well. Just reach out, whether it's to myself or anyone. You know, there's so many organisations out there that can assist you. Yep, yep, exactly. And um, the A-League, will there be a, a DT38 <laughs> round? Uh, there will be. We're hoping so. Uh, we're just waiting for the I'm, I said to the team, I just want to wait for the next fixtures to be released. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. uh, for Florida away. And, you know, the April fixtures have not been released yet. So... We definitely want to. We're prepared for it. Uh, we had everything in place for last year's one, and obviously everything happened. So we're ready to go. It's just a matter of making sure that we're going to have a you know a, a game here in the next few months. Uh, so we're just waiting for that at the moment. So it is high on our priority list because obviously it's very important, and that's where you know we've got a few contacts that from there that you know have had to stick it gone and got checked because of the signage and the work that we've been doing at the game. So it is very important on our calendar. So. Yep. I'm waiting for the A-League to, fingers crossed, release the April fixtures uh, soon, I'm yep. hoping. So, intense to people out there so we can get that copy. <laughs> and recently I found the DTA, DT38 newsletter, which uh, yeah. carries a, a whole range yeah. of information. Um, and, you know, people want to get onto that. They just need to go on Facebook and, and hunt it down. Um, but it's, it's full of, of good stuff and, and news about DT38 and what you're doing. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's got, you know, but we've, we honour our ambassadors in there that have come on board. Tracy has a message in there, a little spiel, what's going on. You know, there's a lot happening in the UK. People are constantly trying to raise funds. Um, you know, Tracy, uh, Tracy was recently on the uh, West Ham um, podcast over there. Yep. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening um, yep. over there as well. So it's really important to keep up to date with it. Also has a lot of details on there. You know, it's, it's lighthearted. It's not a long journey newsletter, but yep. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's got a lot of information in there and, for everyone. And the DT38 trucker hat looks good. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at that. Yeah, do you like it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I can see Sean wearing that claret and blue one. Me, I'd probably just go for the black one. <laughs> no, you'd go, yeah, go to the claret and blue. One, I, I love the black one. And, um, you know, we've got so much merchandise yeah. that we're constantly evolving. It's good to see uh, the, the, know, the white T-shirt sold design. out. Uh, we, um, I was saying to Sean that yeah. uh, where <laughs> Australia had uh, one of the, uh, the current president, Adrian Connolly, go through um, yes. testicular, yes. and he, he loves that white shirt. I went to have a look. I said, sold out. I went, oh, that's good yes. news. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fantastic news, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, if there's anything on there that people want and it's sold out, I always tell them just to send us a message straight through the website or you can find me on social. And I can definitely get um, one organised for whoever would like one. Yeah, 
get it all sorted for you. I love that one. Oh, good news sold out you. doesn't mean sold out. I, I know somebody who can get me one. <laughs> yeah, I got someone in there. We know there people. You go. Yeah. <laughs> now, we know people. Yeah, you're in the know. <laughs> yeah. go, going back to the A League, um, your your oh, team. God, the, do we really want to? The, the, your, team, your team, the victory, all started off so well. How long before Pop is the coach? Yeah. Oh, you know, um, we've been very spoiled. Like, people are calling us spoiled brats, and we, we really are. <laughs> because we have been spoiled in the A-League era, you know. Um, yeah. We've been very lucky. You look at the likes of Central Coast. I feel like it rare, you know, it's six, seven years ago, and Central Coast are now all of a sudden doing really well, and they're first on the ladder, and it's like, what's going on here? This is not normal. But it's great to see such a club so small like Central Coast topping the league and playing the football they're playing. But for victory themselves, you know, you look at our side and, you know, it's good on paper. It's yes. fantastic, but you don't play football on paper. You play it around the pitch. And um, it's it's going to be a very long season. I don't see us coming back um, from our from what's happening. We might have a win here or there. I'm so surprised that we beat Perth Glory um, a couple months ago. I, I don't understand how that happened. Um, yeah. But we've got a, a huge test. You know, we've got heaps of injuries as well, and that's not an excuse. It's the reality that we've got so many injuries. Um, you know, like Marco Rojas now is out for the season, more yep. than likely two horror. In, you know, he had two hundred horror injuries in the space of a few weeks. <laughs> start um, start of the season, an excuse is already. How very victory of you? <laughs> yeah, you know, look, I'm allowed to do this now. I never get to do this, and I'm no. using this as a defense. But you know, um, it's it's. Such a, uh, it's a tough one because you have a coach who's inexperienced who at the start of the year said, no, I, I can, can't be head coach. I'm not experienced yet. He then takes it on for whatever reason. Um, so you can't use brands as a scapegoat, which is what a lot of people would want to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are day, doing as well. have to want to play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and players have to play for the shirt and that's what we're not seeing at the moment. It's very hard out there and you can see that they, uh, you know, Grant hasn't lost the club room because when they scored, you know, against Western United, they all ran to him and you can see the team, they really want it but they're just, it's just not working. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm hoping, uh, you know, I said that Popper would be in very soon. Um, <laughs> well, I have no, no ill will against that. I don't care if he comes in for two seasons and does what he does and off he goes again because that seems to be his thing. So yeah. I'm happy if he comes and does that. Um, I have no issues with any of that. <laughs> oh, but, look, and I think um, K-pop's yeah. <laughs> getting better. K-pop's getting better every game. He's not a bad young player, but um, no, yeah, the, his kids are very, very good. But I believe the youngest one is the is going to be yeah, the cream yeah. of the crop. But we'll see what happens. You can always ask that. Uh, um, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, you can always ask that guy that's uh, coaching in Japan if he wants to uh, wants his old gig back. The one in Japan on oh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've forgotten him already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I was like, Nene? Oh. <laughs> 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 and um, are we are we still seeing you at the the Perth Glory Games with the Far Post, or is uh, motherhood taking? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, no, yeah. no. Um, we're hoping to get out there on the 24th, which is our first Glory's next time game against yeah. Sydney. Um, it's been, you know, it's been a bit crazy for us. We had Blaine who uh, was off on a radio gig and now he's back in Perth. Um, we're just streamlining our podcast at the moment, just getting everything set up with that. Um, we've been quite busy with the far post. A lot of uh, messages and everything to get us going again, but yeah. it's just... You know, it's a lot of work, um, but it's fine. We enjoy what we do, so we're just straight, we're just trying to streamline everything now, just to make sure we're on, you know, Spotify and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Just everything that everyone uses. Technology is ever evolving. Yeah, so excellent news. Look, 
you're, you're a real fan of the game. Um, the work that you do with DT38 is just brilliant. Um, keep up the Thank good work. So and much, we'll see you around the traps again, Dada. Thank you very much for your time. Yes. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you. Donny Gouffray, DT38, if you want to give back to the to the foundation um containers for change is a very yep. simple way of doing it find the numbers on the web page and they'll and that that 380 that like i said cup of coffee than, in the morning a cup of coffee yeah yeah and i saw that uh, on the on the website they're doing that in england as well so three pounds yep. 80 over there yep. three dollars 80 over here so absolutely all helps all right we've got lenny coming in with the jazz show very shortly so um thank you for listening today hugh been wonderful um those of you who are out and about, there's uh, some games out there for the State League final tomorrow. Yep, and uh, and those that are out and about uh, next Sunday down at uh, Coburn Central, 22 Titchbourne Street, we've got uh, a very special guest coming to play, Subudio Perth. Elliot Kennedy will be a guest and should take all the chocolates home with him. No worries. Looking forward to that. Okay, thank you Thanks for listening. For that, this has been the World Football Programme. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.